Today, we are looking at the seventh commandment, and we are talking about S-E-X, sex. If you have kids in here, we are going to keep it what I believe to be PG, okay, a PG version today. So, uh... You know, pastors, sometimes this is one that gets them a little tongue-tied. This is the one that sometimes they, they preach it kind of in a nervous way. It's kind of a, a topic sometimes that churches don't want to, like, necessarily deal with, and it can be uncomfortable. In fact, I heard about a pastor who was asked to preach on sex, and, and when he went to prepare, as he was preparing his notes, he was so embarrassed that he actually couldn't even write the word sex in his, in his notes on his computer, so all, that, all he did is he would write an S instead. And as he's preparing his message, his wife comes up, looks over his shoulders, and notices all of these S's. And so she asks them, well, what is the S for? What is, what is the, the topic of the message? And he, and he panicked. He didn't even want to say it to his wife. And, and, and he said, uh, it's about sailing. My sermon's about, your sermon's about sailing. And she didn't quite understand it, but she walked away and thought, well, maybe... He's using it as a, as a metaphor. Well, well, Sunday comes along, and, and he goes ahead, and, and, and he preaches the mess. He starts out pretty nervous and stumbles a little bit, and, but, but kind of nails it, and he does a really great job. Unfortunately, his wife had gotten sick, and so she missed hearing the sermon. But later in the week, a member of the congregation was speaking to the pastor's wife, and, and she said, oh, your husband preached a beautiful sermon last Sunday. He handled a difficult topic most sensibly, and I found what he had to say rather helpful. Well, that's a surprise, said the pastor's wife. I'm afraid I didn't think he'd have much help, be able to help much at all. After all, he's not very good at it. I won't do it with him. <laughs> and he's only done it twice. The first time he fell over, <laughs> and the second time he threw up. <laughs> yeah, I can tell, even your laughing is a little guarded today. <laughs> it's okay, I gotta make an announcement. God created sex. His idea, not ours. He came up with it, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, I thought we'd start with a little bit of humor this morning. Uh, cut the ice a little bit, but uh, this week we look at commandment number seven, so if you're new to us, uh, this is your first time, we're doing a series on the Ten Commandments that we're calling uh, A Life Well Lived, because the Ten Commandments aren't meant to be these restrictive, you know, ten rules that you better follow them to a T or you're in big trouble. The spirit of the Ten Commandments for us as New Covenant Christians is these are, these are guidelines, these are boundaries that, that God gives to us so that we can have healthy and holy relationships. And so that's how we're approaching the Ten Commandments. And um, we're on Commandment 7, which simply says this, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you shall not commit adultery. Now, most in the room who are married, and I understand not, not everyone, but most in the room probably can say, all right, I'm good on this one. I've never committed adultery. Yes, I got this one. We good. 
But just as we looked at last week with murder, what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is he expands that. He gets to the heart of the issue. It's not even just the behavior, but the heart behind it. And he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You see, Jesus is in the heart transformation business. As I mentioned, we, we saw that last night, God transforming hearts, and, and not, not just for salvation. The other sessions, we saw people doing business with God and, and seeking forgiveness and relationships. And, and that, you know, that's, that's why we're here. We wanna see heart transformation, amen? And that doesn't come by just following a set of rules. That's by allowing God have your, having your heart. Why? Because heart change leads to behavior change. I don't know about you, but, I, but, but there are environments that I've been in in my Christian journey where it was much more about behavior modification. Fix your behavior. Fix your behavior. But what Jesus came back to time and time again is you're going to continue to go back to certain behaviors if I haven't been allowed to transform your heart, if you haven't surrendered your heart, if there isn't healing in your heart, if there isn't a willingness to let me sit on the throne of your heart instead of you. And so Jesus always comes back to the heart. It doesn't mean that our behavior you know, isn't important, but it does mean that the only way to see true gospel change in our behavior is for God to have complete access to the heart. And that's why he says it's more than just committing adultery what's going on in the heart I want you to know and I think if you've been here for any length of time you know this but if you're here and you've made mistakes and you have failed in the area of sexual purity I want you to know our saying here is come as you are just don't stay there we want to embrace people wherever they're at in their journey. This is a place of restoration. That's why we started our recovery ministry so quickly. There aren't many churches within two years already having a recovery ministry. But that matters to us. Because we want to see healing. We want to see victory in people's lives. We know that comes from gospel heart transformation. I've said this before, but I want to remind us of this about the Ten Commandments. God gave us his commandments to enrich, not to enslave. To enrich our lives, not to enslave our lives. His desire for purity until marriage is for our good. And purity in marriage for our good. He gives these commandments to help not hinder our relationships. And that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. It matters to God. God is a loving God, but God will still correct out of love. If you don't know Christ, he will judge <laughs> If you know Christ, he will correct. <laughs> Purity matters to God. Not because he's a killjoy, 
but because he knows that the way he designed us physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually, it finds its greatest fulfillment in giving oneself sexually within the context of a covenant relationship which God has designed called marriage. God's not a killjoy, but he knows that that is where it finds intimacy and oneness that God has called us to. Guys, anytime, and not just guys, but for the guys, for, anytime we step outside of that, flirting at work or, or, or an affair or, or even you know, pornography, which is a, is, is a huge struggle, right? it's hurting the oneness. It's not just God thinks this is yucky and I'm going to get big, in tro- big trouble with the Lord. It hurts our oneness in marriage. So let me be clear. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I'm not going to prolong this. But I think in the world we live in today, even though people won't disagree. In fact, I got a very unkind letter last week <laughs> about something I said last week. It actually had blood on it. I think they cut their finger maybe when they were doing it. I hope that that is what it was. But, but I'm going to tell you, we need to love all people, no, what, no matter what they believe. We need to love people, amen? We need to love people to the cross of Jesus Christ. It is not our job to judge people outside of the church who don't know Jesus. We can't expect people to act like Jesus when they don't know Jesus. That's why Paul said in one of his letters we don't judge those outside of the church. We don't try to fix their behavior and then bring them to the cross. It doesn't work. We bring them to the cross. They give their lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, and dwells them. And then that brings change in their life. And there may be people in this room that, that don't disagree. But the responsibility of a pastor in a church is to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Without compromise, but in love. And people will disagree and agree on things, but as I study scripture from beginning to end, I want to suggest to you, not suggest, but I believe with all of my heart that sexual purity is when selfless love, sex, excuse me, occurs between a man and a woman with a wedding ring. Doesn't mean, again, we won't love those who don't believe that. We love them with the love of Jesus. But that is what I believe God's word says. Are you guys hearing a crackling noise? That's the Lord amening, a good point, I think. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, yeah. <laughs> my bones. It's my bones, yeah. Uh, I don't know if we have a handheld or we'll, we'll, we'll keep going and if it gets distracting, we can, we can get a hand, handheld here, so... One man, one woman, a wedding ring. That's God's design for marriage. Uh, Here's the big take home. I want to move on from that. But the the big take home today is this. Remember nothing else. Remember this. Lust limits our love. Lust limits our love. Will you say that with me? Lust limits our love. And Satan knows this. He knows the intimacy. Thank you. I'm talking about intimacy.
This guy. <laughs> Satan knows this about lust. He knows the intimacy that goes with this gift of sex. He knows that the, the oneness that God wants us to experience in marriage is compromised when sex or sexual thoughts outside of the marriage bed occurs. Lust will limit our love. But, make sure you understand this, sex is good God's way. Sex is good God's way. None of you want me to give you personal examples of that, so I will not. But I want to tell you, praise God, it's a good part of our marriage. I don't know if Becky will say that, but I'm saying it. I thank God for that. It is. It's a beautiful thing, doing it God's way. And I want to also say this. I want to make this abundantly clear. I am a man who struggles with purity in my own life. I am not standing up here pointing a finger at any of you saying, I've mastered this. I've never had an impure thought about someone else. I've never allowed my eyes to look at anything unholy. I am standing before you. You get it. Pastors aren't perfect, right? If you want that, you need to find another pastor. Trust me. But I want to make sure you understand this. This is a place where all of us Pastors included, we are all sinners daily in need of God's grace. God is a gracious, loving Abba Father. And so I want you to know that this is a message for all of us. And maybe for some of you, it's not a struggle in your life. And, and so maybe this is an encouragement for you as you're ministering to someone else. But it's something this side of heaven that we're all going to struggle with. And there's so many different directions that we could go this morning, but what I want to do is I want to do two different things. One is I want to just kind of give some purity points, and then number two, uh, give some tips for purity protection, okay? Uh, normally, we have notes on the app, but I didn't get a chance to do that because of the way this weekend. But So if you want to jot some notes down on your phone or whatever, you can. We're going to look at some purity points and then some purity uh, protection, okay? Here's the first purity point. Step away from the line, not towards it. Step away from the line, not towards it. Why, why do we always ask, and I do it sometimes too, how close can I get to the line and, and it's okay with God still? It, that it's not sin, right? Why don't we start asking the question, how far back from the line can I get to ensure purity, ensure a healthy walk with the Lord? Ephesians 5.3 says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. We flirt with sin, me, me included, but think it won't get us. Proverbs 6.27.28 says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or, or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? The, 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 Solomon doesn't even need to answer that question because it's obvious. A tourist once asked an African safari guide, is it true if I carry a torch, the ferocious animals will leave me alone? To which the guide replied, 
Well, that depends on how fast you carry it. (laughs) Sometimes we need to walk away, and sometimes we need to run. In a sex-saturated society, we have to get extreme in the pursuit of purity. Because if we play with fire, we get burned. And again, if you're here and you're struggling with sexual purity, I, I am coming as a shepherd, as a fellow struggler, and I want to encourage you to ask these questions. Am I too close to the line in some areas of my life? Is there a hint of immorality I'm, I'm flirting with instead of running away from? Do I need to be more radical? Because the call of Jesus is not the broad road of destruction, but the narrow road of Golgotha. David and Joseph are an incredible example of that, right? Two men that love God from the Old Testament. Joseph, we learn about him in Genesis and David. First, first, uh, first, second, 1st King, Samuel, somewhere in the Old Testament there. And, right? Both men love God. David, it was said about David, he was a man after God's own heart. First Samuel, there it is. Uh, <laughs> man after God's own heart. I don't mind babies crying in a service. Anybody with me? All right, so don't feel bad. All right, we love families. We love families. All right. I mean, your dad's son is behaving better, but it's just not a competition. Not a, com- you know, not a competition. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> You're welcome. We got to keep the young pups at bay sometime, right? You know, no. <laughs> David was a man after God's own heart, but he went out. When, when kings go to war, it says, David stayed behind. He allowed himself to get a little bit lazy. And he sees Bathsheba bathing naked. I would suggest to you that that was not sin for him to see her bathing naked. There's going to be temptation all the time. Temptation is not sin. It's what we do with it. But he continued to linger. And he allowed it first as a thought, a lust with lustful intent. And then it led to action. And he committed adultery. And oftentimes sin will continue to develop. Maybe you've heard the saying, uh, 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 sow a thought, it uh, reaps an action, so an action, it reaps a habit, so a habit, it reaps a character, so a character, it reaps a destiny. Don't think our thoughts don't matter. They have to be attacked there and brought under the lordship of Jesus. And he allowed it to linger and it led to adultery, it led to the murder of her husband. And you know what? God, who is a God of forgiveness, forgave. But if you go and you read the story of David, his kingship was never the same after that, though. God still used them, but there was indeed an impact. Joseph, on the other hand, right? Potiphar's wife. You know, he's young, attractive, much like me. And so listen, I know the struggle's real. Uh, And uh, Potiphar's wife 
book of Genesis, you know, I think 39, you know, keeps throwing herself at him, and he resists. He's, he, he made sure to not even be around her, but she sneaks in and, and, and gets next to him, begins to, like, actually grab at him, and, and he literally flees. He runs. He loses his, his coat, his, his robe, and just runs away. I mean, what a difference. One man lingered, and one man ran. I want to tell you, Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character. Come on, church. Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character. The fact is, some of us aren't willing to lose our coat. We're not willing to, 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 to make the hard decisions that are uncomfortable and inconvenient to put boundaries in our lives and to protect us and to protect the heart. As I've said, I'm not a perfect man, and before I knew Jesus, I had relationships with the opposite sex, and God did spare me from, from a number of things, but I was not. I, I did what 16-year-old unsaved guys did, and then God got a hold of my life. He saved me, radically saved me, even though I received from my mom, my dad, my stepdad. I received biblical training, but uh, it didn't take, <laughs> really, truly. Until I was 17, gave my life to Christ. Into my junior year of high school, that's into that summer, God radically changed my life. I became a true follower of Christ. And one of the first things that God began to work on, and I could not have articulated it at the time, but it was the Holy Spirit who now indwelled me, was working on, was purity. And I knew for me that a radical decision and choice would have to be made. And so I made a decision after my salvation that I would never even kiss a girl until the day of my engagement. And that was eight years. <laughs> I thought I had to deal with God. I wasn't going to kiss anyone. He was going to give me someone, like right in college, but then that, that didn't happen. Um, eight years until I was 25. I paid Becky's dad to have her marry me. It's a beautiful romantic story. You know. No endowment. I thought there'd be endowment, but I guess that's not a thing anymore. But, uh. And um, I didn't kiss Becky until the day of our engagement. And boy, did I kiss her. <laughs> In front of her parents, brothers, and grandma. Her grandma died shortly after that. I have no idea if there is a connection. To this day, I wonder. Not a perfect man. Sometimes my thoughts aren't pure, so I don't, I'm not patting myself on that. But I will tell you this. To have that purity with Becky and going into our marriage, knowing that we saved each other, has been a very special thing. And again, God is a God of second chances. Amen? And that's the beauty of the gospel. Everyone's one repentant prayer away for having a clean slate with God. Come on, church. Amen? Amen? Second purity point is this. The problem may not be that the sexual desire is too strong, but that the spiritual desire may not be strong enough. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, put it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I see it in my life. It happens in ministry, too. You're busy doing ministry. You're not pursuing God. It sounds strange, but it's true. I see it in my life where, where I'm not really pursuing him wholeheartedly. And I'm getting busy doing things, that, and I start seeing it in my own life. I see the temptation becoming stronger and, and, and feeling weaker. It, it, it's true. We, we go after those things because, quite frankly, whether we want to admit it or not, God isn't enough. We go after other idols. And sex is one of them. There's a lot of them that it can be. John Ortberg in his book, The Me I Want to Be, put it this way. We become vulnerable to temptation when we are dissatisfied with our lives. The deeper our dissatisfaction, the deeper our vulnerability because we were made for soul satisfaction. We cannot live without it. If we do not find soul satisfaction in God, we will look for it somewhere else because we will look for it. Then it becomes an idol. Whether it's pornography, whether it's affairs physically or emotionally, flirting for attention, whatever it is, the old song rings true, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. The Savior, not sex, is the ultimate true source of joy. C.S. Lewis, to quote from him again, spins a remarkable story in his book, The Great Divorce, about a little red lizard that a certain ghost-like figure carries on his shoulder. The lizard twitches its tail and whispers continually to the person who urges him all the while to be quiet. When a bright and shiny presence appears and, and offers to rid the ghost-like guy of his troublesome baggage, he refuses even though he understands that to quiet the beast, it is necessary to kill it. And then a series of rationalizations occur. Perhaps the, the lizard uh, need not die but instead be trained, suppressed, put to sleep, or, or gotten rid of gradually. The glorious presence responds that the gradual approach is useless in dealing with such beasts. It must be all or nothing. Finally, with the ghost-like figure's permission, the presence twists the lizard away from him, breaking its back as he flings it to the ground. And then an amazing thing happens. The ghost-like figure becomes a near-perfect man. And at the same time, the lizard becomes an incredibly beautiful silver and gold stallion full of beauty and power. Then the man leaps on the great horse and they ride into the morning as one. 
that sin that we think we need is actually keeping us from the full and abundant life God desires for us. The desire isn't bad. <laughs> the reason why we're taking a God desire and using it in an ungodly way is what must be addressed in the heart because it's keeping us from living our true Jesus-like, abundant-filled, joy-filled life. What does the Scripture say? Satan comes to rob, steal, and destroy. Rob, steal, and destroy what? The abundant life. What we think are moments, minutes, whatever, of pleasure, what we think in unholy ways is actually robbing us from something beautiful and glorious that God has for us. Third purity point is this. You've got all you need to overcome temptation if you're in Christ. If you are in Christ, you have all you need to overcome temptation. Is it easy? No. But you have all you need. You have all the spiritual authority. If you are in Christ, do you know that the Holy God through the Holy Spirit indwells you? I don't know if we stop and think about that enough. The Holy Spirit of God indwells you. You have spiritual authority. The same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead conquered death and sin and Satan. The same Holy Spirit that did that is the same Holy Spirit that indwells you and me. Come on, church. That's why it's go time. That's why we can take steps of faith. That's why we can dream big and move out in that power because we have spiritual authority available to us. Go and make disciples of all nations was not a suggestion. It was not a bar he, didn't, he thought people couldn't reach, but at least try it. No, he said that because we have the spiritual authority and power to move out. Become like Jesus. Advance in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen today. <laughs> no temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted Beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Some of you might need to write that verse down and keep it in your pocket this week. And be reminded of the spiritual authority that you have in Christ. In the last few moments together, what I want to do now is, is give you what I call ABCs of purity. Purity protection. If you're here, and, and like me, you know, you struggle with being pure every, every day and, and keeping your mind pure and your actions pure. And so if you're in the same boat as me, I want to give you just some suggestions. Listen, this is like a whole series of talks. I know that. There's things that I haven't addressed today. But I want to just give you the ABCs of purity, and I just use that as a way so that we can remember them as we go throughout the, the week. The A is amputation. Would you say that with me? The A is amputation. Jesus said this in Matthew 5. We read 27, 28 earlier. Now here's what he said. Because this is what, God, what Jesus does. He gives you the, the vision, and then he shows you how to do it. He doesn't leave you struggling. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And God is using, you know, some extreme language there, but he's trying to bring home a point. 
What's more important, your eternal destiny or being inconvenienced by something you made to get rid of in your life so that you can be pure before God? So maybe for some, there's something that needs to be amputated. And please, nobody take this literally today. Um, But there might be something that needs to be amputated. Maybe a cell phone. (gasps) I literally can't live without it. (laughs) Okay, but maybe you have to have, but maybe you, you, you... you put some guardrails on there. You put some software on there, some purity software. Maybe every day your, your wife or husband, you make sure they check it. They, I mean, do something, right? That, that, if that's what it takes. If you go downstairs in the basement and, and, and you're tempted to look at pornography, move, the, move it out of the basement. Bring it right in the kitchen where everyone flows around. Be radical. Decide you won't even use a computer if there aren't people around. Well, that is so inconvenient. I, that's what Jesus is saying. You may have to amputate, but, but is that as important as your walk with God? Could there be something that needs to be amputated? B. B is for boundaries. Say it with me. B is for? Again, Joseph is such a great example of that when he was tempted. In Genesis 39.10, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. There were boundaries put in place. What could those boundaries look like to avoid even the temptation? Now, you may like it or not. You may disagree or whatever you want. I, I am not a perfect man. I stand before you 30 years of being a pastor. I have had lustful thoughts. I have an impure thoughts. My eyes haven't always been pure. Overall, I think I've honored God, but have I 24-7? I have not. I'm a fellow struggle like anyone else. But I can tell you, in 30 years of ministry, there has not even been a hint of an improper relationship with someone of the opposite sex, or same sex for that matter. I guess, clarify. You know why? You'll never see me in a car with a woman that's not my sister, or my daughters, or my mom. I won't ride with my, gran- with my mom as she drives. Um, that's <laughs> whole other reasons. Um, yeah, different type of safety. Um, no. If I'm no cake, okay, never mind. I'll ride with you. <laughs> you won't see me counseling in this building alone. If there isn't someone else in the office, you won't see. Behind closed doors with no windows. Those were just too many people I loved and respected who f- had fallen out of ministry. Because as it oftentimes does, started as an emotional affair and led to... And I'll, I'll take it even a step further. I, I don't have close girl friends. No offense. But why not? Because I don't need them. Why would I need that? I've got my wife. I got my best friend. I hit the jackpot. You know, the other day, other day, she took Jake to the doctor, and the doctor asked if she was his sister. <laughs> you know, I've never been asked if I'm Jake's sister. I, 
I just, I'm not, I'm sorry. I, ladies, you're, you're nice. I'm not going to be, uh, I'll be your shepherd in the right context, but, but, but we're not going to exchange texts, uh, you know, about life and, and those kind of things. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong if you do. I'm just saying, to me, purity was so important, I'm going to just protect that. Because my, my, my marriage matters more than having maybe more friends. Maybe that's for some of you, a decision, someone at work. It's just starting to drift there, and it's like, you know what? Mm -mm. Now I'm going to have contact with them. Well, that's extreme. Again, that's what Jesus is saying. Is it worth it, your purity? The C, connection. Say it with me. C is connections. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. You don't have to carry these burdens alone. We're here for each other. I just acknowledge to you, I'm a fellow struggler. This, this is a safe place to be open and honest about these things. Join a men's group. Join a women's group. Join a recovery group. Don't fight the battle alone. Do you know when sheep are most vulnerable to, to the wolves? When they've wandered from the pack. I can say this, not in a legalistic, holier-than-thou way, but I can say this with all my heart. If you are a true follower of Christ, Scripture is clear. Get plugged into a local church and worship together and strive for Jesus together. There's safety in numbers. There's safety in protection. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. S is sword. Of course, we need the sword of God's word and the power of prayer. King David wrote in Psalm 119.11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I told the teens this week, and I said, you need to be in God's word, not just for your own life, but for protection of other people's life. If I'm not in God's word, I can't be the man of God I need to be for my wife, my kids. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to create men and women of God. There's no secret pill. There's no secret formula. Just going off to a camp or a missions trip doesn't. Those are wonderful things. But the day-to-day of surrendering to the Word of God as the Spirit of God uses the Word of God and then responding in obedience is what grows us up spiritually and provides protection as as uh, david is saying here there is so much more i could say but for the sake of time and by the way um i i'm not to blame today you, you all sang happy birthday to me and we did some other things so i'm right on time you know preaching time because as you know i always keep it right to a certain you know number that number is called long all right but hey i want to close with this and, we're, and then we're going to have a, a, a closing song here I just thought this, you know, it's a heavy talk. Anytime, I mean, I have 30 years of doing this right. Anytime we talk about sex, it hits people because we live in a sex-saturated world. And I want you to leave here. Please hear this. I don't want you leave feeling beat up. I want you to leave here with hope. I want you to leave here realizing greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have spiritual authority to live in purity, and, and, and it's never too start, too late to start. I want to close with this. I think this is adorable, and it, and it shows how lust doesn't have to limit our love when we say no to it.
an older couple who committed themselves to sexual purity to find their fulfillment only in the marriage bed. It's a couple, their, their actually daughter wrote this to, to, to dear Ann. Remember dear Ann? I don't know if that's still a thing, but dear Ann. Daughter wrote this. Dear Ann, last week we celebrated my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. This morning they left on their long-awaited trip to Hawaii. They were as excited as if it were their honeymoon. When my parents married, they had only enough money for a three-day trip 50 miles from home. They made a pact that each time they made love, they would put a dollar in a special metal box and save it for the honeymoon in Hawaii for their 50th anniversary. Some of you are thinking, that's sweet, and some of you are thinking, ew, okay. <laughs> Trust me, it's sweet. Raising five children was a challenge, and sometimes money was short. But no matter what emergency came up, Dad would not let Mom take any money out of the Hawaii account. My parents were very much in love. I can remember Dad coming home and telling Mom, I have a dollar in my pocket. <laughs> And she would smile and reply, and I know just how to spend it. <laughs> when each of us children married, mom and dad gave us a small metal box and told us their secret, which we found inspiring. Mom and dad never told us how much money they managed to save, but it must have been considerable because when they cashed it in, they had enough for airfare to Hawaii plus hotel accommodations for 10 days and plenty of spending money. And before they boarded the plane, Dad winked and said, Tonight we are starting an account for Cancun. <laughs> and I thought you'd enjoy this story about 50 years of great intimacy and a great marriage. And some of you guys, the only thing you got out of today is I'm starting a metal box thing. <laughs> See if it works. Isn't that neat, though? During this song, if, if you want to come, we're, we're not going to have people up here. But as we close in this song, you want to just come up here. This is, this is holy space. This is kind of an altar, if you will. You want to come and just pray during this closing song. Anything you want to release, anything you want to repent of, or, or just maybe someone in your life, and you just want to pour out prayer for them. Then during the song, this is, this is a space that you can do that, to come and worship in prayer <laughs> as you pursue purity in your life and as I pursue it in my life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for only wanting what will bring you glory and, and our good. And these aren't easy things to lean in thing, to, into, but these are things that through the power of the Holy Spirit we can lean into and find victory in. And I pray that for us so that you might be glorified. In the name of Jesus, amen.